Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Luke Martin, I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. TICT is the peak industry body for the tourism industry in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episode, please remember there are now more than 100 episodes of Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them on the TICT website at tict.com.au. We are recording this podcast today on the lands of the Palawa and the Pakana, and TRCT offers its respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders past and present for their enduring care and management of these extraordinary islands. Today's episode is brought to you by our partner, Hype TV. As a complete production house, Hype has the capability to facilitate the entire production process, from concept creation through to media delivery. Hype's core production team consists of industry professionals with decades of experience, and they also have an extensive network of production crews across Tasmania to tailor to your needs. Thank you to our friends at Hype TV for their generous support of TRCT and for helping to make this episode of Talking Tourism possible. And now let's get into today's conversation. And I am joined by Lindine Cleary. G'day, Lindine. Hello. Lindine, for those who are not familiar, I've been hiding under a rock in Tasmania the last four weeks in tourism, um, is the newly appointed Chief Marketing Officer at Tourism Tasmania. Prior to fulfilling this position, Lindine spent the last five years of Head of Brand Marketing, overseeing the delivery of the agency's Come Down for Air brand platform, and more recently, the off-season campaign, as well as leading brand communications and agency partnerships. Under Lindine's leadership, Tourism Taz won Travel Marketing Team of the Year at the Mumbrella Travel Awards in 2022. So firstly, Lindane, congratulations on the appointment. Thank you. We discussed this before you walked in and uh, I said, you you were born Tasmanian girl and went to uni in Canberra. Yep. Are you the first CMO other than Kath to be a Tasmanian? Born? No, Emma was Tasmanian Emma's born. Tasmanian. Well, that's wrong. <gasps> My research is no good. <laughs> well, my point, it must feel pretty fulfilling to go full circle in a career that left you, the state as a 20-year-old and come back and now to be appointed to probably the most important and most enviable CMO marketing role in uh, in Tasmania. It's going to make you feel pretty proud. Absolutely. Um, it's dream job for me um, by far. I mean, I thought I already had my dream job for the last five years and then to, to nab this one is um, an opportunity that you um, – yeah, you don't, that doesn't come along often, um, but it does feel like for me it's the culmination of, yeah, 20 years of hard hard work, building a career in marketing communications mostly, but to come back to Tassie and do that for the, you know, for the growth of our home and it is such a special place um, and to do it in a way that we do really try to push the boundaries. Um, as a marketer, that's, that's, that's what gets me out of bed every morning, so... Um, yeah, couldn't couldn't ask for a better opportunity. And the takeout I got out of it was that it was a real reaffirmation of the strategy work that's been underway over the last five years under Emma. Apologies, Emma. Uh, she's <laughs> missing am. Tasmanian, 100% Tasmanian <laughs> Emma. is now South Australian uh, for yeah. a period of time yeah, she comes but home. But also, the fact, yeah, the fact that it's there's almost testament to the work that's been done by the team, um, that must have felt pretty great that, you know, your, your accession to that role was, you know, the fact that we're on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's been, yeah, it's been a big few years for all of us here and from a brand point of view, well, from every perspective, um, but to, uh, yeah, to now be able to just take the foundations that we've built over the last few years and evolve them 
into the future is, um, yeah, really exciting. Um, and it's not a case of needing to come in and change everything and, and, and start from scratch. It's just where do we go from here because we, we're going from strength to strength. So part of that is about the off-season campaign. That is mm-hmm. the reason I've got you on today and we'll talk about that in a moment. But just about you. So I did do some research and did do it right, thanks to LinkedIn. <laughs> um, so left Tassie but born and uh, raised in northern Tasmania, went to uni in Canberra, had this uh, sort of a very tourism-focused career with one big, very different thing in the middle, which was eight years of Coke. Yeah. Bit of a contrast to tourism but what's the, yeah. what's the I mean, they kind of the absolute monolith of marketing. Yeah, I yeah, know. <laughs> what was that experience like? Uh, it was amazing. As a young marketer, it was the best possible training ground. You got access to phenomenal resources, really smart people who are at the top of their game. Um, and I had the opportunity to travel around the world a little bit while I was doing that. So I did five or six years in Sydney, then did six months in Seoul, which was interesting in a a communications-led role where you don't speak the language. Um, And that was before Korea kind of hit the world stage. So that was um, a great adventure. And then I did a few years in Singapore um, before coming back to Tassie. Um, But yeah, Coca-Cola is so... um, it's a really interesting brand to work on because it's such a heritage brand Mm. that has so much history to it and and so much um so many it's got the eyes of the world on it so it's high risk in terms of every move you make it's watched and coca-cola is the poster child of you know everything that's bad in the world (laughs) um so any opportunity that the media or competitors get to kind of take it down it's there so you do have to you learn a lot about risk management but also calculated risk taking to move the brand forward so i think that's set me up quite well for the tassie brand product that i think my ignorance on marketing terms, but it's high turnover retail. It's yeah, you know, FMCG. Things are being sold. Yeah, how do you do that? How do you market something that sells extraordinarily quickly and rapidly? And you know, again, trying to change consumer behaviour about how they view a product that all of us uh, know extremely yeah. well. And you've either you know people either love it and buy it on yeah. a you know daily basis, or yeah. have made a very conscious decision to avoid it. Uh, it's yeah. the marketing challenge is unique. Yeah. It is, yeah, and getting harder and harder. And, I mean, I left quite a few years ago now, so I'm not sure what the challenges the team there are facing now, but back then it was um, largely about recruitment of new people into the category and then it's frequency. So it's, you know, trying to build it just even if you imagine the the numbers that Coke sells, you sell one extra can or bottle um, across Australia, <laughs> that, you know, that's millions. Mm. Um, so it's the impact you can have if you get na- land on something that works is absolutely huge. But, yeah, it is also a case of the numbers are so big sometimes that it's hard to even think that you're having an impact because they, yeah, they're quite constant. So the contrast of that with uh, high discerning, high yield yeah. tourism destinations yeah. and travel experiences through the rest of your CV leading up to Tassie. So it's a very different mindset and very different marketing test, isn't it? It is. And um, I think the big thing that I've brought from my Coke days into this is the power of brand. Um, it is such, as I say, a heritage brand. There's a lot of love for it. I loved it um, quite passionately myself in terms of that history there and that respect that you need to have for it and not to not to mess with it too much but also to do great things with it. And so it's very similar to Tassie in that sense and it's so much more meaningful in Tassie because it is our home, it's our place, it's, it's you know, for everyone in, in this building here at Tourism Tasmania, it means so much more than just selling a product. Mm. Um, and so 
to take my to take my Coke brand experience in here and then add that um, extra layer of expectation and pressure. I suppose is it's an amazing opportunity. It's um, it really lights me up and the team in here. Everyone is so deeply passionate about what we do because it matters so much to everyone in Tassie and particularly our industry. And I think you know, I'm not just saying this to you, but the one thing it seems like the testament to the work over the last decade out of Tourism Tasmania is that acceptance of brand as the epicenter of the marketing strategy as opposed to trying to almost use marketing as a way to shift the brand, if that makes sense. I think if you look at some of the old original campaigns, it was all about trying to direct the destination marketing as a way of trying to present a new brand proposition for Tasmania, whereas mm. from, you know, come down for air, go behind the scenery, off-season, it's very much just celebrating you know, who we are, you know, who we are and, and presenting that in a, an articulated exactly. way. And yeah. Which leads us probably, you know, the reason I got you on today, the off-season. You know, the holy grail of that is how do you effectively promote and market Tasmania yep. as the winter months. And, yep. you know, there's been many iterations over a long time about trying to do that, come out of tourism Tas, And I think there's something about the off-season that's well, it's resonated with the industry, which is probably yeah. the critical point. Step through that because on, on face value for me as a layperson, the off-season seems really simple. <laughs> Certainly a lot more simple than, was it Luminary or I can't even pronounce it, the old campaign 10 years ago, like complex sort of yeah. concept. Yeah. How do you land on something like the off-season to begin with? Um, I think it was we knew that we needed something that um, could galvanise industry firstly. So that was the brief. It was we don't want just another campaign. We don't want another tagline. We want something that's going to excite our operators to to get involved. Um, and I think the other piece that came into it, so whenever we think about our marketing, we think about what's the kind of consumer tension point or the consumer insight, how's society feeling right now? Um, and we, when, we, when you dig into the research about winter, what we found is that for mainlanders, as we call them, um, winter is generally a time where you just kind of pause and wait for it to be over and perhaps have a bit of a whinge about it being a bit cold, a bit rainy. Um, Canberra's cold. I'll, I'll vouch for that, having yeah. gone to uni there. Um, and parts of Australia, don't get me wrong, absolutely get cold. But when you think about the bigger cities, it's kind of, you know, it's not winter as we know it. Um, so it's just a case of hibernating until it's over rather than doing anything with it. So the opportunity we saw was to change the way mainlanders think about winter. Um, and to create something in Tassie that made people outside of Tassie want to be a part of it year after year. Um, and we wanted it to be a long-term platform and that's definitely what it's become going into its third year this year. And the pitch, the the, the, the offerings, which we'll talk about in a sec, the, the offerings initiative, actually getting buy-in from the industry because the first test about that, which uh, if you look at the way our winter has evolved over the last few years, is getting Tasmanians, including our own industry, to not hibernate. And yeah. Success, I guess, the Dark Mofo on Festival Voices about getting Tasmanians out and about and celebrating our winters, yeah. but also then getting the industry to buy into this initiative rather than just you know the old model of planting a brand mark on a on yeah. on a campaign and saying Tassie's open for business in winter and then people get down here and find that um, you know it's there's a cynicism around it, which is yeah. not what the off season's proving. Yeah, I think it's it's easy to forget being here in Tassie how special it actually is, and that the rest of the country doesn't necessarily know 
um, all of the what we would call the truths about winter in Tassie are that you know where where it is the time of year when we're most different to the mainland. There's different things going on that you can't experience elsewhere, and that's you know without even coming up with an off-season offer. It's just you know the air is crisper, the oysters taste better. There's really interesting festivals going on, and and things just sort of come alive a bit more. We do winter properly because it, we're actually built for it. We know it's coming every year, and we've got the puff jackets, the Tassie tucks, we've got the fire pits, we've got the heating, we're, we're kind of all set for that, whereas um, that's it's, that's different in the mainland as well. And it is, I think, the time of year when that creativity or what we call the anti-ordinary spirit of Tassie really comes to the fore. Um, and that's the that's the the kind of the special source of the off season, I suppose. That mainlanders just don't don't even know, other than probably a few people coming to Dark Mofo, and that's what they they connect. But that's you know that's just one part of the experience. Um, so yeah, that's what we're trying to tap into, and and trying to make sure that people outside of Tasmania fully grasp that, and then create something that is only during that period of time, so you can't experience it at any any other time of the year. And then hopefully in time, we're sort of smoothing out the seasonality of the year, and people start to see winter as as much of a great idea, or better than coming in summertime. And clearly, as an industry, if we're going to be sustainably growing. We just can't keep pump priming um, yep. our visitors into four months of the year between yep. Christmas and Easter. Um, the winter is really the next great you know, threshold to break and, and this is a framework we can get into it. So, so this is the third year. So I guess what are we seeing? How does this play out in the market? So firstly, within the state, um, we've obviously got the call out for the off the offerings. So mm-hmm. just explain that for the people you know, who are not perhaps part of it yet and perhaps could still get on or yep. it's not too late. Yeah. Um, so what is the offerings? Just the yeah, strategy behind that. Absolutely. So what we do each year, um, sort of, it, it is hard for everyone. I understand as we're kind of still in the thick of summer and we start talking to everyone about winter, but um, around February, we normally start sort of encouraging everyone to think about what their offer for the off season might be. Um, and you can still put one in if you haven't yet. So yeah, there's, it's never too late. Um, the idea is to come up with something that is preferably different to what you offer in the rest of the year so that you do create that the sense of, you know, FOMO. Um, if you don't do it in winter, then you'll miss out until next winter. And it doesn't have to be something big and, you know, something that takes a lot of work. It can be quite simple um, and it can be something that's just an enhancement to what you already do. So, for example, if you're in a, a hotel or an accommodation, um, you could do a really beautiful winter picnic basket. Um, you know, it can be as simple as that which I recognise also takes some work. It could also be that it's packaging up something that, again, something you already do, but just theming it in a different way with some kind of winter theme. Or by all means, go nuts, get creative and come up with something really new and really different, which is um, the stuff that really taps into the spirit of the off season, which is all about creativity, what we call wild revelry. So just helping people have a really great time. Um, and embracing nature, so getting out into into the wilderness where you can. And the critical point of this is it's not discounting. Exactly. So the old Tasmanian tourism way of yeah. dropping your pants on price, and yeah. um, which frustrated, I know, you know, it's been the bone of frustration for a lot of hotel operators was that everyone just races for their bottom almost as soon as it hits the winter months. Yeah. This is about a value proposition. So you know, don't look at it as cutting your costs. It's yeah. about actually uh, as about opportunity to add something to make you stand out in the market. Exactly. So uh, if a business has created their offering, um, how's that marketed to the consumer? Is that is Tito's helping with that? Is that 
the tour, obviously the website, Scaltas and Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you just need to um, upload your offer to ATDW or Australian Tourism Data Warehouse. Um, our team will have a look at it, make sure it's in good shape to um, feature in our marketing communications. And then it's basically all go from there. So the offer will feature on discovertasmania.com.au and our new app. If uh, you're sort of early enough, so probably a bit too late now, given that the off-season officially kicks off in a few days' time, but uh, where possible, we do feature offers in our marketing communications. So we think about stories for PR opportunities. Uh, We have content on our website. um, And then we also have our big campaign pieces that are out in market already in terms of billboard advertising, online videos and and print um, content partnerships. And this is open to anyone. You just have to be on ATDW. It's not just for the big boys. for any operator and entirely you'd probably want smaller operators are a bit more off off centre. Absolutely. Uh, to, to be part of it. Yeah. Regional parts of the state. So. Yeah, that's all part of the, you know, the creative spirit of the off season and the authenticity of Tassie is, yeah, those um, smaller one-on-one really authentic experiences are definitely part of it. And so you mentioned all the marketing campaigns already began um, for obviously winter. So what would be happening on the mainland that we, I think I've seen some billboards and uh, light rail trains yes. flashed around on some social media. So, yes. so just a lot of this is my lack of marketing speak. What, what do you call that type <laughs> of advertising? Yeah, so <laughs> um, that that flashy billboard style advertising that looks so Out impressive when you're driving down uh, <laughs> central Melbourne. So yeah, so that um, yeah. BJP. So a lot of appearances in travel publications. Exactly. I saw the Australian magazine the other day had something on one of them. Yep. So just just the normal yeah consumer. Yeah, and we do um, we do with the off season. It is a bit of an opportunity to experiment a little bit too, and see what what works and what doesn't. Um, but we we tend to do that with our content partnerships each year now. So we always have a big partnership with um, Qantas magazine. So if you're flying Qantas, you'll see that we have a partnership with Broadsheet, which is a free publication in the bigger cities, um, but very much focused on travel, lifestyle, and culture. And it's really important to us that off the off-season is seen in time as a part of culture itself. So um, one way we do that is by doing some more um, left-field content partnerships, if you like. So this year we're partnering with Rolling Stone magazine, which you would normally think, what what's a music magazine got to do with travelling to Tasmania? Um, people who read Rolling Stone are people who want to travel. <laughs> um, they're people who are interested in culture and we want people coming down to Tassie during winter who are interested in culture and interested in learning more about Tasmania's culture in and particular. Also has them guess that they wouldn't have a lot of other destinations choosing exactly. to from Rolling Stone, so we own the space. Exactly, and that's a big part of what we do at Tourism Taz is because we are um, one of the smaller players, we're a challenger brand, we try to find ways to cut through that aren't necessarily about spending loads of money because because we don't have the budgets of the other states, but doing it in a way that makes people stop and go, oh, I didn't either didn't expect to see that here or that, you know, the actual creative message is just so different that they, they notice it. And that's why we've taken the black and white approach with the off-season. There's not many destinations who'd be... So let's just talk about that because that is a massive marketing tactic, creative yeah, tactic. Sure is. You so started last year, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so pure black and white advertising with a splash of, I think, yellow writing case, yeah. So the strat- that is a deliberate strategy just to stand out. It is, yeah. It's to stand out but also, um, again, kind of seed that feeling that Tasmania and the off-season are a part of culture. So it almost feels like art rather than advertising. Yeah. 
um, and that's what we're really going for. We we even um, <clears throat> excuse me, we engaged a photographer last year to do the sh- the main shoot for the big billboards you mentioned, who is not a commercial advertising photographer. He's a you know documentary um, even war photographer. So he's used to telling really deep and meaningful stories um, through his photography. So um, it is very much about positioning Tasmania as something very different to usual, um, you know, travel experience. So, okay, so it runs over the course of the next three months. How, how do you, from a marketing perspective, what point do you start to measure success? How do you do that from a campaign perspective? Uh, I mean, imagine you get your returns on the the dollar spend and how many eyeballs saw it. Um, we obviously look at the TVS, but you know, when do you start to actually track whether these initiatives or I guess strategies and tactics are actually actually delivering the results? Yep. At a big uh, campaign level, so off-season and our Come Down for Air campaign, it's, most, it's more about driving awareness and consideration of Tasmania. So we don't tend to look at short-term metrics for that stuff because it's not, it's not the end game. The end game is getting seeding Tasmania into the to the backs of the minds of people so that when they are thinking of travelling, that's what they're thinking about because they've got that positive emotional connection. Um, but of course, as you go, as we call it, if you think of a um, marketing as a funnel, up the top is all of that big awareness stuff. And then as you get further down, that's about converting people all the way through the journey to then ultimately booking. Um, so all of our campaigns have elements that target that bottom end of the funnel to get people converting, whether it's through to an operator or through to booking a flight. Um, and that's where we really measure the short-term impacts. So we look at TVS, as you said, what's our visitation and our spend. You know, are we attracting the right type of visitor through the work we're doing? Who's going to come and actually drive value for Tassie? Um, and then we look at our digital metrics, um, which are more short to medium term. So we can look at things like are they, when they land on our web, <coughs> excuse me, when they land on our website, what content are they looking at? How long are they spending there? Um, and if it's not long, you know, what do we need to do to change that up to make sure that they are? And are they stopping there or are they going further? Um, they're the more short term ones that we look at. And what I love, you know, what I do is the, it's quite sophisticated the way you, and constantly over a long, period of time track where Tasmania rates compared to our competitors in terms of mm. intent to travel front of mind. So that that to you would almost be the if from your theory that would almost be the critical KPI. They might not be they might not see the billboard on the side of the train in the middle of Sydney and rush and get on their phone and book that night. Exactly. But their intent, Tasmania, winter, that's interesting. I've got a reason to go down there. I might do the weekend there and head down there rather than go to Noosa this winter. Um it's front of mind and that's the critical test. Yeah. And the brand health, we'd call that our brand health tracking, um, which does uh, get quite granular in understanding what are the things that people perceive about Tasmania. Um, you know, what do they think of it? Not Even if they haven't been there, they'll have an understanding of it. How much have they heard about it? Um, whether that's through advertising or just hearing about it from family and friends having been. Um, and all of that kind of tracking tells us again, the longer-term picture of how the work we're doing is having an impact um, and and it tells us what are the barriers to travelling to Tasmania um, and also potentially the opportunities. It helps us uncover things that we may not have thought of before. Okay, so, and you mentioned this is year three of the off-season. It's yeah. not going anywhere though. We're going to stick with it for the long run. It's your hope. And Definitely. So how does it continue to evolve? Just more operators start each year to participate in the offerings. It becomes a real feature. Um 
Hopefully we have some more events emerge over the next few years that kind of add to that, you know, I guess positioning that we are a quirky place to come and check out weird events in the middle of winter. Um, <laughs> so what's your high sort of aspiration for the campaign? Yeah, I'd definitely love for it to continue as a long-term proposition. Um, it's, I mean, as a marketer, it's really uh, satisfying to achieve that because it marketing tends to be an industry where you get distracted by the shiny new toy and, you know, you want to change everything up every year. But I'd rather play that long, ga- long game for Tassie and just get get better and better every year. We've taken on board a lot of feedback, particularly from the industry over the last couple of years and made some changes to how it works for them so that it does does work for them. Um, and we're always keen to hear feedback anytime because it is, it's still relatively new. So there's always things we can be tweaking and um, improving on each year. Creatively, you know, we'll probably mix it up a bit in, in another year or two um, so that we're still still maintaining that kind of freshness. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that we would love our operators to get behind even more um, each year. We've got more offers this year than we did last year, which is fantastic. Yeah. Also, I'd love to get love to see more Tasmanians um, yeah. aware of it and understanding it and getting involved in it. And so we have actually increased our um, advertising investment here in Tassie this year to make sure that Tasmanians are seeing it and being a part of it. Um, and working on a few ideas for what we might do next year with Tasmanians as well. When you actually see the effectiveness of this is, and again, the context of this being like the holy grail of trying to crack the nut of Tasmanian winters, mm. when I found myself actually seeing that people are now correcting winter and autumn seasons or down seasons too, and now actually just calling it the off season. Yeah, We're awesome. adopting this vernacular and that extends to the kit. Yes. The off-season kit. You excited kit? about the off-season kit? I don't have any yet, but you I am excited. Yeah. So this is, this is well, the thing I'd never thought I'd do is actually be wearing a Tourism Tasmania <laughs> brand mark. Yes. But, so uh, this will be out. We'll have the off-season kit launched to industry. So these are a range of hoodies, long-sleeve tops, uh, beanies, and, of course, the quintessential puffer, Fantastic. all branded the off-season, which is, to my mind, again, part of getting that industry buy-in. And I know something I've always thought would resonate with the industry because that does create that sense of, you know, it's a uniform for the winter. Yeah. No, it's great. I love it. All right, we'll get you one. <laughs> yeah. I should have bought one in for you. Um, now, so the second initiative, you did mention the app. Yes. So the app was launched a few weeks ago. So the concept of the app um, is we see a lot of destination and tourism apps have come, go, rise and fall. I guess what, from your perspective, do you see is the purpose of the app uh, for both or A, the industry, but also the consumer. Yeah, for sure. So I think for the industry, there's a few great reasons to um, to get involved in it. Firstly, there's that increased exposure to your business. So it's a whole new channel of communication. Um, all you have to do to be a part of it is be on ATDW, make sure that your listing's up to date um, and, and the app manages the rest. Um, so it means that you're visible to visitors um, either when they're planning a trip to Tassie so they can set the location to somewhere in Tassie and do their research before they come um, or and or it um, makes you more visible when they're on ground actually having their holiday. The really great thing about it is that it displays um, suggestions for products and experiences based on where you are. So if you're standing in Hobart, you're going to see results for things that are happening around you. For operators, <coughs> excuse me, one of the really interesting um, features of the app is that you can actually create your own 
itineraries or lists that you can then share with your customers. So um, if, you, if you're an accommodation provider, for example, and you normally stand at the counter marking up your map of where to go in the, in the local region, you could continue to do that or you could actually just spend a bit of time creating some suggestions in the app and then share that with your um, visitors as an itinerary. So it could be Luke's top tips for things to do on the drive from Launceston to Swansea, for example. Um, which is fantastic. And we've had a lot of great feedback about how useful that um, is. And then for visitors, it's there's a few features to it, but it's largely about that sense of discovery. So if you imagine when you're on holidays, you often kind of finally land and take a breath in and then go, well, what are we going to do today? And you spend the next two hours buried in your phone trying to figure out what it is you're going to do. And you don't necessarily know what you're even looking for. Um, and so the app gives you a place to start uh, and serves you up suggestions that you wouldn't have otherwise known about. Um, we actually tested the app uh, with some visitors in Tassie back in December um, to get their feedback on the functionality of the app, but also, you know, what did they find useful? What was not useful? What do we need to improve on? And the overwhelming feedback from that was very much, I didn't, I wouldn't have even known this thing existed. And then I had, went and had this great day out because the app told me it was here. Um, so there is, it adds a bit of, you know, some spontaneity when you're on ground, but it also helps you plan, plan ahead um, from wherever you are. A place, a touring destination where for you know, decades, generations, people will travel around the state, pick up that paper publication visitor guide and mm. sit on their lap driving around planning out their trip. Um, I mean, the reality anyone of our generation younger thought of picking up a paper document as opposed to playing in our phones yeah. is foreign. And so it is really feeling that curated, uh, responsive resource for people yeah. who are either making a decision to come down here or planning out their holiday, trying to get them in spy, or indeed on the road looking for those like locations. And a, a critical point you made, if you're on ATW, you're already on it. Yeah. Yep. And there's no advertising. Correct. You're not paying to be on it. So Correct. effectively you jump on it now and you're on ATW, you'd find your product listed on the app. Exactly. And it connects directly to you. So if a visitor clicks through to your product, decides they're interested, they can click straight through to your website or to your phone number and give you a call to make it a, a booking or an inquiry. No commission. Exactly. So what do you need from the industry to make the app a success? Uh, we need more listings. <laughs> we need um, we need to, you to make sure that you've got your ATDW listing done and up to date, um, and that's really all you need to do. Um, we do we have created some collateral to help promote the app, so it's great if you can help build awareness of it, um, which is only going to enhance your visitors' experience while they're here. So um, if you jump onto tourismtasmania.com.au, you'll find a couple of digital assets that you can use in your marketing or just in your emails or on your website or your social media to spread the word. Um, and then we've also got some pr printed collateral that's um, with your RTOs, so um, grab those from them or let us know if you need some more. And, you know, that's it really. Yeah. <laughs> Just do your listing and then spread the word. And it is about both enhancing your visitor's experience but also just increasing exposure for you, more opportunities for people to be aware of your business. And being aware that this is a resource that's available now. Um, that's, you know, no catch, no hook, no advertising, no commission. Yep. It is there for you. It supports you and your fellow colleagues in your destination but also it provides a, a good, great user experience for our, our guests. Yeah. So make it available. Yep. All right. How's that? That was the easy part of the uh, oh, pot yeah. in question conversation. We've covered the off-season. We've covered Coke. We've covered the uh, app. Now the real serious ones, yes. the seven big questions. Yeah. 
And you know, this is what people tune in for. Yeah. <laughs> so think about the answers. Also, if I, especially when we get to our first question, think about the politics of your role and yeah, the need I to have. balance out regions. Just a I bit have. of friends up. <laughs> Beyond that, can't be held responsible for your answers. Two, question one. Lindine, what is your favourite spot in Tasmania and why? Yeah, um, it's Rocky Hills um, for two reasons. One is just it's my come down for air moment when you when you turn when you go down that winding road and you're along that stretch of road where the water just appears um, off to the side there. It's just yeah, my shoulders drop, I breathe out. I'm in my happy place Um, and it's, yeah, it's just stunning. But I also got married there about 11 years ago um, and that was, you know, obviously at Avalon. At Avalon, um, Well before I knew anything about tourism Tasmania or or the world around it, um, it was just, yeah, I just had a personal connection to the place and um, was living in Sydney at the time and we decided to get married there and it was just such a fun and beautiful day and a lot of our family and friends still talk about how amazing it was and how much fun it was and how beautiful it was. So, yeah, holds a special yeah, place in is, my heart. That's pretty much impre- that would be a pretty uh, pretty fair representation. I think a lot of people agree that particular yeah. stretch of the Great, <laughs> Great Eastern Drive. Favourite travel destination anywhere in the world? Japan. Japan. Yeah. Why? Culture? Um, everything. Culture, food, people, nature, um, wow. the quirk, the absolute orderly nature of things but having that juxtaposed with the absolute madness of things at times as well. Um, I, yeah, again, it's just a, a I have a bit of a visceral reaction to Japan, even to the point where sometimes I feel sad that I'm not there. Yeah, there you go. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I haven't been there. I've done a lot of Asia. I haven't done Japan. Yeah, yeah no, it's that good. It's amazing. So if I wasn't living in Tassie, that's where I'd like to wow. be. Yeah. Oh, TA, uh, TA agent yeah. in Japan. That's, I know <laughs> yeah. where you're headed next group up. Future job. Someone is coming to Tasmania for the very first time and they ask you what is the one thing they have to experience while they're here. What do you suggest? This is where I'm going region agnostic. <laughs> it's a glass of top-notch Tassie sparkling wine yeah. overlooking any beautiful Tassie view. Yeah. Probably, preferably coastal but or anything involving water um, and ideally after just a nice walk. Not I'm not a big... Um, big hiking person mainly because I have two small kids who refuse to do it. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, a nice walk out in nature and then just kicking back with a glass of Tassie sparkling. Yeah, best Best. sparkling on the planet. Yeah, and it it really does rival champagne these days and I want the whole world to know that. You're walking the Overland Track for five days. Have you done it? No, obviously not. Not a hiker. Wait for the kids to grow up. One day. One day. Three other people, living or dead, famous, not famous, who and why? Definitely my husband because he would know how to solve any problem no matter what. He's not a hiker so he'd probably be a disaster to be honest. But um, Think his way through it. Yeah, he would think his way through it. He's smart enough to figure it out. He would also keep me laughing at the really hard moments. So he's definitely got to be there. And it's a boring answer but I'd honestly just choose two of my closest friends because there's never enough time to spend with friends. (laughs) So to have five whole days to talk about life and everything in it would be Amazing and rare. Well, you need to do that because that's achievable for you. Yes. Yes. You even said, like everyone else says, Nelson Mandela, you can do that. Yeah, I can do it. So pencil it in. Exactly. Husband and two lucky friends. 
you're road tripping around Tasmania on the Great Eastern Drive, driving past Rocky Hills. What's the uh, what's on the playlist? If it's with the family, it's um, we take turns on every road trip we go on. So it's youngest to oldest choose a song rotating around the car. So it's a very eclectic mix, um, but we've definitely indoctrinated them into David Bowie, Dolly Parton, and right now their favourite is uh, We Built This City on Rock and Roll by Starship. Great song. Yeah. Did you know (laughs) that song was offered to John Farnham and he knocked it back and went for the voice instead? Yep. True story. No way. He, he, he was offered the voice and we built this city and he took the voice. Uh, sorry, um, uh, yeah, the voice, yeah. You're the voice. Yeah. And John True Farnham story. was the only, growing up in Tassie back then, John Farnham was the only live concert I ever got to see. Uh, I went know. to every Farnsey so concert. You're, you're going to listen to that song <laughs> and all you, our listeners will and think of that. I don't know how I know that little bit of tidbit information, but every time I hear that um, um, that song, which is great, um, yeah. Built This City, I think how good would John Farnham sing <laughs> Um, okay, when you arrive at your travel destination with the kids, what is your drink of choice? I assume I've already answered bubbles. that. Yes, Tassie Space is a particular type. Oh, I love. Uh, oh, I love so many. I love the Aris Grand Vintage when it when I can treat myself and Belly Bond. Oh, beautiful and the big one. I don't know if you're responsible for the uh, TV the ad, but it did get people talking. Curried Tasmanian scallops, culinary delight or culinary crime. Definitely a delight. Wow. As long as they're wrapped in that beautiful flaky pastry. Um, and I was going to say, yeah, um, I'm so for it that I made an entire ad about it. So. Ah, you are you're responsible. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, in a pie, not necessarily on rice. Not, no, exactly. But that's also, it comes back to the things that, um, you know, mainlanders don't know about Tassie or think is unique about Tassie. We, we probably don't even realise how unique a scallop pie actually is. So everyone I know who comes down here is just like, what? You did what with yeah. a scallop? <laughs> it's amazing. I reckon 120 people have done these questions and it's 50-50 straight it? down the line. Um, people and, again, Tasmanians love it. They get everyone from interstate, pulls their face, don't understand it. Oh, so. no, I've definitely recruited a few people. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Well, Lyndon Cleary, thank you. Um, again, congratulations on the appointment. It's, as I say, imagine the thank people you. who went for this job and if I can went for one of our own. Uh, out of the organisation's testament to the work you've done over the last few years. So on behalf of the industry, congrats and and thanks for explaining the off-season. Thank you. Um, and the app. And again, um, key message out for both those initiatives is ATDW. Um, if you've updated your listing, make sure you're on it, make sure you're checking it regularly and make sure that you're, uh, you're, you're um, engaged with what's going on with the work at Tourism Taz and largely that is driven through ATDW. So if you want to part with the, partner with them, be part of those campaigns, make sure you use that initiative. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we release them about every two weeks and remember to help spread the word to tourism colleagues, particularly this one. I suggest anyone in Tasmanian tourism wants to hear from Lindine and about some of the marketing campaigns, encourage them to have a listen. Talking Tourism is an initiative of TICT and today's episode was brought to you by our partner, Hype TV. A big thank you to Mac Forty, our audio specialist who produces these episodes for us. And I'm your host, Luke Martin, and we'll catch up with you next time.